Kaboom, kaboom. How's my sound? It's great. Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their (laughs) real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own, Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. I'm fading that out because we don't have time for an intro on this. <laughs> no time at all. <laughs> Just a quick fade. Yeah, this is the speed, the speed round. Speed round. Speed round, round two. Now, we had a plan for this episode to be a little bit longer. I'm going to actually talk fast for the first time, so you might actually not have to put this podcast on like 2x <laughs> listening speed. Uh, this is episode 28. We don't have any time. Yeah, episode 28. Wow. Is it really? It is. Holy so smokes. I just want to cover a cool couple things. Get your thoughts on on some of them. Okay. The first thing I wanted to me- to mention, I want to go back in time. We have mentioned some software tweaks that hackers have used when they've bought like a J series or Polyjet printer. Hackers? I'll, I'll call them a hacker. Just, yeah. Okay. If you're unlocking the capability of a Polyjet printer All right. to print your own stuff, power users. Power user. Yeah. Sure. Um, we've mentioned that in the past. I just wanted to say there's great news out there for people who wish they had that capability and didn't. Stratasys has released a Polyjet research software package that allows you to kind of unlock the system and still be using it within the confines of like a warranty and that sort of thing. This applies to all J7 and J8 users. Cool. So pretty neat. You can print. Now, I don't know what this means yet. Okay, can okay. I just run you through the yeah. list yeah, that they through. put on on here? You're so excited about this. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so you can pause the print now on Polyjet, which right. is something previously like we that. couldn't do. Yep. AirPrint. AirPrint. I don't know Print what that Air. means. This sounds like something I could put up on eBay. This is the 3D Air Printer, and it's literally nothing. nothing. <laughs> yeah, so it says you can use air as a print material okay. to Wonder create how that voids. Works. We'll have to talk about that at a later time, but I don't know how that works because you're laying down a liquid. And uh, we know that Polyjet doesn't have any self-supporting capability. Right. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Liquid print. Print liquid materials for soft parts. You could print a hydraulic uh, mechanism, for example. I think it's printing the cleaning fluid. Yeah. Okay. I hope. I hope you can do your own, too. Maybe. Z-start. So you can start printing from your own defined height. Right on. So hopefully you can print on top of something. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, exactly. And then lastly, uh, parameter editor. So it gives GrabCAD software users the ability to basically control parameters like scale, offset, carpet height, and pedestal height. This is getting pretty in the weeds. And then one more thing. Sorry. GrabCAD voxel print capabilities for volumetric design. Yeah. Getting crazy. I I had tried to toy around with voxel print in the past and it was too difficult for me to to do. I didn't have the right software to generate the inputs for voxel print. Now, explain a voxel. You've done it before. Just for anybody who doesn't understand it's what a, a 3D, voxel is. 3D pixel. It's the best way to describe yeah. it. It's perfect. It's a tiny little cube. Tiny little cubic volume. So you're actually placing those cubes exactly where you want them. With certain materials. Yeah. The, the way you feed 
the legacy voxel print software was a series of 2D images. So every image would correlate to a layer height mm -hmm. and an image could have up to seven different colors and each color would be assigned a material. So you could have different ratios of colors and you could create like functionally gradient materials and do all sorts of things. I think the best use of voxel print that I've seen is uh way to workshops eyeballs, which we talked about on, yeah. an, on a previous episode. Long ago, yeah. early, yeah. early on. And uh, I think at that time I commented, I didn't know what software she was using. Her name's Tor and uh, I think her name's Tor. I still haven't seen a commercial software that's really good at generating the 2D image slices that's needed. So uh, we used, we tried to use MATLAB and I haven't used MATLAB since I was in college, so I didn't get very far. Well, it's very cool that this capability is there yeah, for so those the, who are interested. So voxel prints built into this package. Uh, I don't think it's built in. I, think, I don't think voxel, we could clarify later. I think it is. Let's not get into the weeds. I think it is. Moving on. Moving Next on. Next thing, because okay. we're just short on time. Yeah, we we totally are. I had a coworker, uh, let's call him Jeb 2.0. Okay. Bring up <clears throat> the bridge placement in Amsterdam. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I did. Yep. What do you, what do you remember about this? I remember that, I mean, I think I remember quite a bit about it. Oh, so just tell us, run us through it fast. So it's essentially a robotic arm using DED, uh, direct energy deposition, more or less a MIG welder on the end of a robotic arm building a stainless steel bridge. Uh, so it's gotta be probably one of the most expensive bridges in all of, uh, <laughs> even though it's of, small, yeah. it's most, it's the most expensive, all of Europe probably. <laughs> Yeah, so it's only spanning like what looks to me a dumb old American, about 15 to 18 feet. Yeah, it's in Amsterdam, right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's it could be a little bit longer than that. It look I'm judging by the 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 scale of things around it. There's well, a you have car to remember park next to it. The Dutch people are quite big, so there's no people in this picture, just <laughs> okay. a small car. Okay. The cars are small and the people are very tall. <laughs> yeah. Well, now the reason I bring this up is because this coworker felt that this was a gimmicky thing. Oh yeah. Totally gimmicky. Oh yeah. Jeb two. Jeb two. And I don't think it is. You know, you and I, um, often accuse things of being gimmicky and I don't think this is, I don't think this is gimmicky either. I mean, obviously it's not the most efficient way of building this particular bridge, but a lot of what additive manufacturing is doing is proof of concept and proving things out. And, uh, you know, I think we were pretty, we were pretty harsh on the house building episode, which I'm going to bring up. That's the, it's funny you say that. Okay. See, Tyler and I did no pre-planning. <laughs> yeah. They just perfectly are going to segue <laughs> us into All right, that. What, what were you going to say? That's a little foreshadowing. Okay. No, go ahead and finish your thought. Um, I can't, I still stand by that. I think it will fade out of fashion. Okay. But it could lead to other things. See, and I actually think that this bridge is very important. Uh, the more I learned about it, the more I realized this thing has a couple of handfuls of sensors <laughs> embedded into the design. Really? So, one, it, it looks organic, so that's cool. It can only that shape can kind of only only be created with uh, 3D printing, which, like you said, it's just glorified MIG welding essentially. 
Um, obviously, we may be oversimplifying it. Yeah, we probably But the are. sensory data that this bridge is actually giving live feedback to people who are monitoring it. That's cool. And what this could do for the industry, at least what I'm imagining, is this could help aerospace, for example, yeah. begin to trust 3D printed metals. That's true. Um, the fact that we can embed sensory data and get live feedback, it's saying that this bridge can basically tell you um, when it's having issues or it will adjust its projected lifespan and give you that sort of information. That's very, cool. very cool. I think the proof of concept in using the robotic arm that is essentially traveling across the print as it creates it is important. Yeah. Um, Relativity Space is another company that's using robotic arms to build large format um, prints. And I think we're just going to see more and more of that, which is cool. Robotic arms, very complex. Additive on that scale is complex. So to see them put together successfully is pretty rad. I like it. Yeah. And I think that this is clever. I think the fact that they put the sensors in there is probably the most important aspect of it because at the end of the day, the you and I's of the world are just going to say that's a MIG welded bridge. Yeah. And cool. And it's kind of like, it's the same thing with, it's the concept with the house. It's 3D printed concrete. Like how neat is that? Which gets me to my last piece here. Okay. Uh, I had a, an email from one of our listeners that said, Hey, this might be cool to go over. And it's a company called 14 trees that is printing schoolhouses. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's definitely a worthwhile, um, concept. I've never heard of this. As I read the article, I started to read that their plans were going to take 70 years to complete the amount of schools that they wanted to do because of how long it was taking them to build it. Yeah. And this printing technology, I, there's much more to it. There's layers, right? Because they're, they're wanting to print 50 schools. Yeah. Okay. Why is it going to take them? Cause they, they say in the article that it's going to take them about four weeks to print or to create a school. Otherwise this printing technology enables to do a school in a day. Hmm. It, it enables them to build a school in a day. Hmm. So that doesn't add up, right? We're shaving yeah, you a 70 year project down to 10 is what they're saying with this ten on years. the big scale. 70 years to 70 ten years. years was their projected timeline for completing these 50 schools initially. Wow. That's about the same timeline as my fence. <laughs> and with the print technology, now they're projecting 10 years, right? So it's okay. seven times faster, um, according to them on hmm. the big scale. But when you just take the printing time, they're saying it only takes a day to print. So a lot of it's probably transport. Yeah. Where is this at? This is in Africa. In fact, let me what get part a of more, Africa? I'll tell you. It is fascinating. And it is really interesting. We could probably do a whole episode on additive manufacturing in third world countries and its effects. All right. So this one that I'm looking at is Malawi. It's basically saying that this is a more efficient method to build these schools. Hmm. Hmm. It's well, pretty incredible. Four, 14 I trees. Think 
as gimmicky as I thought these things were. Yeah. And I think outsiders looking in think they're gimmicky. If this is really helping people save time, the adoption of it, time is money. I wonder how much of this is, you know, people like you and I are drawn to doing something. So if we can do it in a way that intrigues us, we go and do it. But at the same time, you and I could go build a house out of sticks in a few days, but we choose not to. Does that make sense? Like how much of this is happening quickly because it's intriguing or exciting the people into action? Because I have a hard time believing that it's faster to bring all of this equipment and, and the bulk materials and set everything up than to just ship a pallet of two by fours and, and put a building together. But no one wants to do that. Does that, does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And I think a lot of it would have to do with like, the fact is this school will be built out of fewer materials, right? I don't know. If you're talking a, a traditional two by four, you know, you have to have nails, two by fours, tools to do yeah. those types of things. Now True. we're just squirting out concrete. Is that what the material is? I think so. It, to me, that's what it looks like. If you all want to look at this article, it's on autoevolution.com. And hmm. I guess what I'm it saying it looks is, like a concrete building. Like, there's there's machinery out there that you can build that will ram soil together and form bricks. And then you could assemble those bricks. Like that's been around for a long time, but there isn't a huge amount of interest in going and building buildings this way. I need to clarify something. Okay. So UNICEF is estimating that the country's 36,000 classroom gap will take 70 years to fill. Okay. And 14 Trees, the company building this school with 3D printing technology, is saying that we might be able to do it in as little as 10 years with this technology. Okay. Hmm. Well, I don't know any more than what you've just told me, but I like it. I like anything that brings uh, equality and improves the lives of people born around the world, I'm for. Um, as long as you're not hurting people in the meantime or hurting progress in other ways, then how could you be, you know, want more or be upset about it? Yeah. So I like it. Yeah. So this is two, what could be considered gimmicky type of printing things that I think are doing a lot of good. Yeah. And so the bridge as gimmicky as some people might see that. And maybe it's just a publicity stunt. We'll, we'll see over time how that sensory data actually affects future, you know, metal builds. But the school thing is definitely a great thing. And so, yeah, that's, that's really all I had to talk about this episode. Those hey, things. Sometimes publicity stunts are worthwhile. I mean, someone argued that going to the moon was a publicity stunt. Evil Knievel jumping the Grand Canyon that's probably a publicity sign. We got Velcro out of that. What? No, we didn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's. <laughs> oh man. Okay. You didn't know well, that? that's why. That's why they invented Velcro. Is <laughs> in case he came up short, he would stick to the side of the canyon. Gotcha. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's a short episode today, but we didn't want to leave you all episode. hanging. Do you know what I was? I came prepared to talk about this morning. What dendrite? 
Dendrite? Dendrite. Why? Because they were in the news. They had a little bit of a release. What did they software. say? I saw some things about them. Just an update on, on some of the tools in their engine. And it got me poking more about them. And I remember you were fascinated. At uh, AMUG. At AMUG. And I started looking into it. I was like, oh, this would be a good topic to talk about these engines that are behind all of the software that we use and the kernels that all of the CAD packages use. And Let's talk about it next uh, Thursday. All right. This Thursday. Next Thursday. Dang it. Tyler's going on vacation. Today's my Friday. That's right. <clears throat> That's right. Well, thanks, everybody. This is a short one. Yep. You should have been able to handle this on a quick drive home. I'm glad we did it. We were coming off a record... A record day, weren't we? We had a record number of listens. That's right. And we almost went two weeks without an episode. Incredible. We love you guys. Thanks for listening to us. Stick around. Yeah, thank you. And uh, keep sending fan mail to Tate. (laughs) Tyler, just (laughs) now he's just doing that so that he feels like he's directing you to me. (laughs) But you all know you want to just do it on your own anyways. All right, all right. I'm stopping this. Okay, see y'all later. Bye.